Hi there, and welcome to another edition of the JazzNet Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast, which is brought to you by fans for fans, where the content is free. As a bonus episode of the, the JazzNet Weekly Podcast tonight, we're having a wee look at the Hibs game tomorrow uh, at Easter Road. Uh, as I say all the time, guys, it's not just the pod we do here at JazzNet. We've got the website there, you get match interviews, match interviews, match previews, match reports, all that kind of stuff. Uh, there's a history archive on there as well, and obviously Frankie's got his social media, all that kind of stuff. If you like what you do here at JazzNet, please give the the, uh, the YouTube channel a wee subscribe, a wee like, we comment, put the word out there on social media, let people know uh, that we're about and what we do. I'm joined again tonight by Alex Anderson. We're, we're, we're like the we're like the, the ugly sisters that keep on turning up on JazzNet at the moment. Uh, how are you? Eric? How's your Tuesday night one? Uh, absolutely fine, sir. Yes, I just um, I'm this is uh, my kind of time uh, to be to be doing a to be doing a pod. I like you. I like you moving it ahead just so you can get me after my afternoon nap and before I <laughs> before I get my dinner and get a bit grumpy after that. You know, I was just having a. Uh, I was actually, you know, we're on the we're on the tea just to prove that we're all guys. Yeah. And yeah. I was. I'm actually. I'm actually one. Uh, it said, "Oh, nice cop, nice cop." You like that? You like that? Aye, that's yeah. class. That's quality. You know, I'm uh, running out of Tetley's, You know, and oh, I thought, I know, I know, I can't start my tea bag conversation on this pod. You know, because between that. I think, the other, I think the other main topic at the beginning of these pods is the is the balding, the, the baldness amongst us all. Yeah, well, I'm kind of I'm kind of top of the line. Definitely getting there, you know. And I thought this is serious old man stuff, and but yet here we are, you know. I was I was having a wee look it's, at the it's a, a tea time special, you know. <laughs> when I bed at half eight, uh, I was having a wee look at the sort of some of this, the the analytics on YouTube and uh, going by the age group. That we're attracted, we're very much the Rangers bar podcast. I would say, <laughs> I don't think anyone under the age of 35 was interested. In what we do. I thought, I thought this podcast and being on social media would, uh, would make me a young hip dude again, you know. But even Rangers Twitter, they're all talking about the Beatles that was like 50 years ago. This documentary, it's just, it's just no, no working at all, no. mate. Just no. On that, have you been watching it? No, no, I, I, I'm not. A, I mean, I, sorry, I know to say to a Beatles fan. That you're not a massive Beatles fan is a is tantamount to an, a, a massive insult. I'm sorry, but and I know that they've basically. I, if I'm a music fan at all, I must be a Beatles fan because they invented everything. I get that, but no, I haven't. Um, I haven't been watching it. I must admit. Terribly tea and no liking the Beatles. Alex, this could be a very short pod tonight. I'm telling you. Parkhead season ticket, and that's me. It's a full deal, man. <laughs> I, I tried to watch something on Friday, and I, I had a bank called on Friday, so I was sitting watching it. My only complaint is it's it's, it's long. You know, there's no narration. There's no like. It's just like it is literally just footage of them. You know, uh, recording an album and preparing for a show. And I mean, it's interesting in it, but it's you know, it's like two and a half hours per episode, and there's those yeah. three episodes. It's it's heavy going. Uh, but anyway, right before we before we go on about the the, the trip to Easter Road tomorrow. Big game under the lights. Uh, first game in in December, which is we spoke about on Sunday. Is, you know, it's a full-on month, a, a lot coming our way, uh, and it will probably be a pivotal month in terms of whether we're successful or not in retaining the championship. But before we, we get on to that, Alex, I thought we'd just have a wee discussion about some of the stuff that came out of the AGM today. It all seemed fairly positive, and I would assume that your, your, your Celtic bloggers were very disappointed with some of the stuff that came out. But, I mean, that's not to say, I mean, especially in the financial stuff, that there's not stuff that you know raises an eyebrow and maybe a wee bit concerned, but Overall, I, I just feel that the people that we have in charge 
you know, are, are trustworthy. And, and, and I've certainly feel I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that they're beyond criticism, not by any stretch of the imagination. I think there are certain things we've got wrong over the last few years, but it, it does feel like the club are in sort of safer hands now than, than, than we have been previously. But like the sort of main things that came out, were sort of coming through it before we came on air. You know, Stuart Robertson uh, has you know, informed the, the shareholders at the AGM that the 7.5 million funding gap that was announced in the, the, the accounts recently, that's already been plugged. Apparently that's already been filled and there's, there's no issues there. You know, John Bennett provided details of the loans situation that are available to the club and the rates of interest. And, and again, that, that all seems fairly positive. So, I mean, on the finance stuff, I mean, I know it's, it's not a brilliant picture, Having said that, you know, there was this sort of situation again today where they reiterated that there's there's no need to sell players, which I find a, a wee bit strange given, you know, the, the, the twenty three million pound loss we announced. But it seems that the board are confident in, in the way that way that we're going. And and I, I believe Stuart Robertson used the phrase eh, we're approaching financial stability. That's it. Uh, and that's and that, that that's what we want to hear. And I know any time as you're implying there, any time you say anything. Uh, about Rangers and finances, uh, anything around the board, whoever the board is, you're going to get it from two sides. As of 2012, you're going to get it from two sides. You're going to get it from Rangers fans who are saying you don't care enough. You, we need to be, we know learned the lessons of 2012. We need to be studying every single kind of edict that comes out of uh, the boardroom. We need to be getting right into every AGM. And you're going to have your Celtic fans, no, but the, the more paranoid um, <laughs> Celtic fans uh, or the more kind of one-eyed uh, fans of 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 others of other clubs who seem more obsessed with our finances than than we do. They're kind of laughing at you and saying, you know, oh, if you if you're in any way relaxed about the finances at Ibrox, you're, you're asking for trouble. Uh, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot. I know the kind of clickbait age of of media that we live in now. What was formerly the kind of mainstream media? Is, a lot of punters in that are doing the same. A lot of the main actors in that are doing the same thing now as well. Um, so you're scared to say what I'm about to say, which is it all seemed okay by me. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, I'll throw in all those caveats there. I, I acknowledge that my recent history, you'd be daft not to. But um, even the fact it's in the Clyde Auditorium call, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Is, we'll, we'll know some uh, marquee in the middle of the park. <laughs> you know? So they can get near them, yeah. And it was like a terrible concert at a garden centre with a really, a really small, really wet, really angry crowd, you know, yeah. uh, want to get on the pitch and, and, and kill the, the directors. I've said before on here, Colin, my, my kind of general feeling just now uh, is that in 2012, we just, we just needed somebody to get us going again, anything. And we got cowboys, you know, we got we got guys telling you got guys coming out here saying, Oh, I loved, you know, I love the old firm games, you know, and it's like what what one in particular, mate? Oh, they just the one that won us a Super Bowl. You know, that, that Ali McCoist, you know, I do you know any goals he scored, mate. No. <laughs> and then we got and, and now I think we're in with proper fan owners uh, who really have the club at heart. And I think um Dave King for me was a kind of transition. Um I think Dave's a bit of a cowboy himself, but also he's got the club at heart, you know, and he's, listen, Dave King probably a big part in getting his, it was a massive part in getting his Stephen Gerrard just through working his magic when he's, when he's doing at Anfield, you know, whining yeah. and dining. So you have to be realistic. Um, but I think we're now in a situation where we look good um, in terms of who's running the club. Uh, I do have faith in them, uh, but there's people out there probably thinking, that's that guy that had total faith in David Murray, yeah. you know, so... As I say, yeah, there's, there's caveats. There's caveats applied to everything. Uh, everything I'm saying, um, but I, I know. I think 
we've got even just the seven point five million funding um, that that being sorted out at a preferable rate. You know, the, the rate of interest is going down. It's in the hands of people who are not going to come battering my door down and want us to sell off the assets to, to, to get it back. Um, and this is where I, I don't want to get into the, you know, the, the David Murray thing, but I'm already at that stage where I'm grateful to these guys for bringing us 55. You know, and I, I look at the people, you know, and you, and you can measure that against, well, David Murray brought us, you know, European final and all sorts of titles and what have you, but um, almost killed the club. So, it doesn't. It doesn't work out just because you've won a title or whatever. You should be. You should be given a undiluted kind of praise and, and, and faith to to certain directors. But when we've seen the characters that have been in since two thousand and twelve, we know. But we've got a nose for it now as a support. I would say um, who we can trust, and, and and these guys just now are, are doing a great job. And like the the twenty three point five million loss. Well, that's just. I mean, you can't write that off. You can't sniff at it. You can't be unconcerned about it. But it's COVID. COVID, we've got big expenses. We're a massive club. We try to get into the Champions League. We've got a stadium that holds 50,000 people. That means big expenses. It means big losses when, when something like COVID hits. And I think proportionately it's hit everybody else in football to, to, to the same extent. Well, well, apparently it hits Celtic more than any other club, remember. You need to bear that in mind. That's it. But there's not, there's not that easy, the, the, kind of, the easy narrative, you know, when you're, when you're kind of, tabloid journalism is just looking for knee-jerk, kind of, kind of basically shit-studding stuff. You know, it's easy to go with the Rangers' um, financial calamity narrative um, dragged on for 2012 and say, oh, that Celtic are, in comparison, they're the guys that have got everything under control. You know, so I, I would, I would, I would say they're just, they're just nothing um, majorly, majorly worrying me. Always concerns, but um, I, I'm just quite comfortable with it. The fact that it wasn't all over Sky Sports News, it wasn't a massive event, it wasn't controversial. It was just. Questions getting asked, questions getting answered, and, and we move on. No, no questions uh, around, I don't know, Bertie Old's obituary in the, in the Herald. I thought I saw the best one I saw on Twitter the day was um, guys say why are all directors um, still referring to Celtic as the same club? You know, when we all know they died in 1994. That was quite good. <laughs> <laughs> this is the questions I want answered. You know, um, I, I've been to the I've been to the, the AGM once. You know, I've never been a shareholder. Um, a guy out there I've not seen for a while. I'll just in case I get him into trouble, I'll just say Derek. Uh, he sent me his. He was a shareholder. And he sent me his pass um, and got me in one day. Yeah, I think it was before two thousand and twelve, um, and it was very interesting, you know. But it was nothing wild like what we hear coming from the other side of the city, you know. And I get that there's a there's a case for saying we should be, you know, wild. We should, you know, as a, as a support after what happened two thousand and twelve, we should be. Um, yeah, but stand outside that. with placards, but we're fine. I always think an AGM you should be focusing on your own issues, or you know what I mean. And, and, and exactly. I, I feel the AGM across the other side of the city focuses on very much things that aren't directly related to Celtic. And one other thing on the AGM that we'll, we'll cover it before we move on to tomorrow night's game. Uh, Stuart Robinson sort of indicated that they were looking to to improve the match day experience for supporters with disabilities. Uh, and even when as far as admitting that, you know, the club, and I quote them here, haven't covered themselves in glory uh, on this issue uh, for some time. I, I have to be honest, I mean, I'm, I'm in the government here. I'm, I'm not even entirely sure where the disabled section is at Ibrox. Because, I mean, it used to be back in the sort of 80s and 90s, you, you used to see, uh, like, all the wheelchairs on the, the side in front of the enclosure and stuff like that, and you, you knew they were there. So I'm not even sure where they are now, but I, I have seen like on social media and stuff like that a lot of fans uh, who, who use those facilities complaining that 
it's just not good enough. And it's something for a big club, you know, that that is pretty poor and, and it's good to see that they're addressing it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I'm, I'm ashamed to say, same, same as yourself, mate. I, I've not had a chance. Number one, I'm ashamed I've not had a chance to really look into it uh, since this has come up uh, today. But number two, I mean, I haven't missed a league game. I mean, we all missed we missed the whole of last season, obviously, because of COVID. But I've, other than that, I've not missed a league game at Ibrox for God, like 20 years. And I cannot tell you, same as yourself. I'm thinking, I remember it being down at the, near the tunnel, actually, kind of either side of the tunnel. Um, I don't know if it, and I was in the enclosure when we first, you know, talking of financial trauma. When we first, um, after 2012, the first season back, um, when we started back in 2012, I didn't know who was giving my money to, you know. So I just, I just didn't, buy, I didn't buy a season ticket. I spent the whole of that first, first six months of that first season, just going round the different parts of the ground, you know, just, just, just for a laugh. Um, and then I got a season ticket, a half season ticket in December. Um, I got it for the enclosure, the East enclosure. Um, and I can't even remember then. I'm now up in the main. I'm now up in the main stand. Before that, for like you know, God, best part of 15 years, I was up in the back of the govern. I cannot remember. I seem to have seen more boys in wheelchairs than that when I was in the enclosure. And it's bad enough as an able-bodied fan if you can get up the kind of back of the enclosure. The, the views are yeah. only great down I'm there. Great, yeah. I don't know. Maybe over in the western, maybe west enclosure, they go a bit, maybe a bit oh. further up. I can't. I, I, I'm embarrassed that I can't actually remember because apart from anything else. The number of times I've nearly ended up in a wheelchair uh, coming out of the the um, in the main stand after a game and walking up Edmondson Drive back towards the Brimley, my car's parked over that way, and uh, the wheelchair boys don't mess about. You know, if you know what, if you're on your phone like I've been a few times and they're they're going across that road, they're going to just batter you right out of the way. So I've got a funny feeling I've nearly been hit a few times there. Um, I've got a funny feeling they might be in that area, but I always think about Sheffield United, Bramall Lane. I must, I think I saw in the tell must be ten years ago. I don't know if it's still the case, but it was at least ten years ago. Um, which puts a bit of shame on Rangers. They had a great uh, section um, from, from from what I would imagine anyway. You know, I'd need to get a uh, word of mouth from a, from a wheelchair user. But it was kind of, it was going up ramps and it was really kind of like halfway up the, the big cop they've got behind the goal. Yeah. Uh, at one end at Bramall Lane and between the main stand, it's, uh, the stand that's kind of opposite the cameras. And it was kind of like halfway up and it was, a great, it was in the corner. And so there was nobody in front or behind them. And it was a great level and it was a great view. And when you and when you look at the likes of the like Club Seventy Two, we didn't mind putting that wee lip, that wee ledge in the front of the you know the front of the back of the govern now the Sandy yeah. Jardin to accommodate. Um, oh, that's just some pretty more money. Yeah. I mean, you need to, I think you need, to, you need to get some way to get you know all four stands should be, should be a way of getting uh, the wheelchair people, um, or the disabled fans up there into that you know that kind of middle of the, the middle of the stand to get the best possible view. It seems to me that the corners would be a good. I mean, I, I don't know the, the, the sort of the diagnostics and what's required, but it seems to me that you go in at ground level at the corners and you come out raised, you come out, you know, in a raised arena looking down on the pitch. So maybe the corners, but it's just the fact that it's taken so long, and, and it seems to me, it seems to me, sorry, that it has been an issue that has been raised at PVC AGMs, and obviously with big cowboys in charge and all that kind of thing, but. Yeah. It, I was reading it thinking, well, that's good news, but it is also slightly disappointing that it's taken this long. I'll tell you something else. I mean, I know that in terms of priorities, it comes way, way behind the, the, the needs of supporters with disabilities, but the state of the toilets in the Golden Stand, and I'm assuming it's the same for most parts of the ground, that they are absolutely atrocious. And I'll tell you this much. Like, when, if, if we ever reach the stage where mandatory uh, mask wearing is, is not required at big events, 
I'll still be taking a face mask for when I go into that toilet because it's honestly it's bouting, it's absolutely bouting, and it's long overdue. And even I mean, even the concourses, you know, and I think against you, Robertson acknowledged that there's parts of the stadium that have been left to sort of just rack and ruin really under under Murray towards the end of his tenure. So that there is, you know, and that's that's infrastructure. That's I mean, everybody thinks that you know money just gets spent on players and all that kind of thing. But it's not, you know, you need to you need to maintain your infrastructure, your stadium, training facilities, all that kind of stuff. And all that costs money. But it's it's good to see that in terms of what was talked about today, uh, in terms of you know providing better facilities with supporters with you know disabilities and, and wheelchair use and all that kind of stuff. It's good to see that they're addressing it, but we were disappointing that it's that it's taking so long. Right, uh, on to tomorrow, big big night, uh, Easter Road, under the lights, as I say, the first first game in December. Uh, we kind of spoke on uh, Sunday night on the pod that it, it, it really is a pivotal month. You know, I think there's, there's eight games in total, seven league games, all right, the, the, the Europa League game against Lyon. I might get a game, you know what I mean? Because it's, it's, a, it's a rubber duck. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write a, a wee email to the club saying, you know, he's spot the bench. We spot on the bench for the last 10 minutes. You'll still be ahead of Brandon Barker. You know what I mean? Probably, I, I've got me <laughs> helm them as well. Uh, <laughs> Uh, aye, so I mean, you, you, I mean, it's good that we're qualified for the Europa because it means we don't have that extra pressure, and that, that's a game where we, we can maybe rest players. But it's still, it's still going to be a difficult one, as I say, starting off tomorrow uh, at Easter Road. Now, I mean, I know they've, they've, they've just beat us in the semi-final there, and it's quite comprehensively, especially in the first half. You know, the game is a bit of going over, but a recent record against Hibs is, is tremendous. I mean, for all. Portis was having a go at Stephen Gerrard, you know, his, his wee interview clip about, hey, do I look happy, do I look settled, all that kind of stuff. He never beat Stephen Gerrard, Pips never beat Stephen Gerrard's, a Stephen Gerrard team in, in, in the time that he was here. Uh, I, think, I think the best, the first season he was here, we, we got a number of draws, but outside that, you know, we've, we've been pretty convincing against him. And at Easter Road as well, you know, we've, you know, we went there a couple of years ago, 3-0, went there last year, 1-0. I think the closest the game was, was that to each game last year when I think they were ahead twice, but they managed to claw it back. So, I mean, I know they've just they've, they've just beat us, but it's a ground that in recent years we've done quite well at and, and something that should give us a bit of confidence going forward. Yeah, I, I would hope so. It's, I think it's, it's a bit like uh, Aberdeen um, in, that, in that sense where the legend is they're always up for it against us. You know, they always raise their game, blah, blah, blah. But when you look back at the record, as you say, we've got a great record at Pataudry in recent yeah. years as well. And we've got a great... They actually do more damage to us at Ibrox. Um, Hibs haven't recently. The first season they come back up um, uh, from the championship, uh, the season after us, uh, they beat us both games at Ibrox. You know, uh, and those were insane. And I think they did, they did a late equaliser against us. Um, kind of just at Christmas time, kind of Boxing Day-ish um, in Gerrard's first season at Ibrox, but that was almost like the, the kind of intake of breath before we went and won our first Old Firm game yeah. since coming back up. Um, so I, we've got a good record against them. I, and I thought it was quite kind of poetic, or kind of, you know, a darkly poetic that we, you know, our last game without Stephen Gerrard in charge was the, the five each, the crazy, stupid five each under Jimmy Nick uh, at Easter Road. We should have won that one as well. We should have won that as well. Yeah. And the first, the first one without him. Um, after, after he's left, as Stevie G was that uh, absolute abomination of a performance at Hamden. You know, where, again, Hibs have went, same that day at Easter Road, they went 3 nothing up, you know, but we didn't pull it back this time yeah. uh, at Hamden. Your boy Porteous, I think, kind of sums it up. Um, he's he's dang- The guy's dangerous. You know, actually, I, I can't even really 
laugh um, at Portis because I, I feel, and this sounds terrible, but I, just, I feel there's, there's something kind of not quite right there emotionally with the boy. You know, could be a really decent player. Um, as a decent player, sorry, but I think you can let this this kind of they're only really out to kind of to kind of get us and making these jokes about Stephen Gerrard after he's left. You know, it didn't even kind of make sense. It was kind of no. kind of worrying, you know. And he's he's and the Emma guy. Dodd, Emma Dodd's kind of put him in his place a wee bit, right? Did you look at because you know Stephen Gerrard was like, they they look happy, they look unhappy, they look unsettled. Well, don't ask stupid questions. And, and he quoted that. And then Emma, Emma Dodds was like, but it wasn't a stupid question. And he was like, aye, aye, aye fair enough. You know what I mean? Because it, 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 it was Emma Dodds that conducted the interview with Stephen Gerrard when he said that. So it was also making a wee bit of statement. That's what he heard a wee bit as well. I think that's her coming back saying, well, whoa, wait a minute. No, I'm aye. not having that. And, and it's, yeah. the, it's the, it's the, um, the getting a, a framed picture of himself, you know, standing yeah, over uh, a failed Alfredo Morelos, who nine times out of ten takes him to the cleaners, but it's his tackles. Um, yeah. The game we won there 1-0 last season, the, the other game at Easter Road last season, the one we won 1-0, December, January, right in the middle of that fantastic run. The kind of run we're looking to go on, you know, no. tomorrow night. Um, he he put in a few a few tackles that night. They were just, they were psychotic. You know, they were total leg breakers and they went unnoticed with the referee. He's just thrown himself in every time. And I don't like the way that the narrative around him from Hibs um, is kind of supporting them. Um, but that tackle we put in this season when they when they lost the game at Ibrox when they were doing well he's basically there's a good chance we only won 2-1 we got our goals from late on in the second half um, he's kind of cost them the game there yeah. you know and it, it, it's and we know the one on Barisic he's the tackle on Koulibaly um, he's he's out of order you know it's it's, it's dangerous stuff and it's uh, it, it's just not being but I think when you, when you look at the narrative around Morelis um, which is slowly dying down uh, in Scottish football but the kind of mainstream media narrative around Morelis for being a bit a bit huffy and not really maybe maybe not tracking back as much as he should compared to this boy who's out there trying to break legs basically yeah. and being proud of it. That's that's it's quite it's it's quite worrying. Um but we're giving him too much attention. Uh, it's a big game for us and I just feel as if this is the moment we find out has it just been kind of new manager bounce the last couple of games under Geo or are, are we here to you know, is he is he going to get us going uh, fully again? There's still been wee moments in these these last two games that we've we've taken the kind of foot off the gas. We've looked a bit kind of lacking in concentration. We could potentially have thrown the games away. We haven't, you know, and that's been great. But uh, I think we're either going to you know, we're looking to see us move up a gear uh, again tomorrow. And you're hoping that it's if 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 there's one place we're going to go and we're going to think we are the real deal and we've we've done everything we need to do and you'll get found out. I think it I think it will be Easter Road. On on that point about Geo, I mean he would and he's, he's special yesterday morning. He, he kind of emphasised that again, that sort of thing that you thought about there. And he mentioned it in Sunday immediately after the game. You know that we dominated the first half pretty much. You know for the first half hour it was two 0 going on three four. And then we kind of allow them back into it. And then it takes a, a, a great sort of save from McGregor to stop it going to each. I mean, we control, we totally control the second half. I mean, I can't think of a chance that what they had in the second half. But he was sort of really irritated, it seemed to me, that we never put the game to bed sooner. You know, we, we, we need to kill teams off. Uh, and he was sort of going on about that yesterday as well. And, and he's so he sort of mentioned it twice. And it's maybe something that, as you say, he's noticed already that when we're strong, we're strong, but there's these moments of slackness that need to go. 
And when we are strong, we need to take our chances and punch games. Yes, and I think I, I love his patter. And I'm, 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 I'm conscious of not trying not to be a kind of Celtic acolyte for Ange Ball straight away and, and going all in. Yeah, but it's really weird what's, what's happened with me with, with Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. I wasn't 100% enthused um, when he was mooted as the kind of number one candidate to take over from Steven Gerrard. But I think looking back on it, you know, and this now seems totally hypocritical because we've had a couple of good results in, in these first two games. I think I was reacting against the the reaction that he was getting from Rangers. Too many people seem to be too enthusiastic about his appointment. And I think that in itself was a kind of psychological thing, a kind of transference that football fans tend to do, is we don't want to acknowledge the hurt that we feel for Steven Gerrard leaving. You know, and I think, by the way, that bled into Conor Golson's uh, interview at Hamden after the semi-final. He didn't want to, to be, it's all about Steven Gerrard. Like we, we should have been able to win this, this game on our own without that manager. Yeah. And I feel as fans, we did, we did that as well. Um, as a fan base, it was, right, here we go, straight away, they're kind of celebrating the appointment of Giovanni um, as if this was something to kind of really get behind, almost like we'd won something. And I'm thinking, no, that's an overreaction. It's a good appointment. It's a solid appointment. Um, but now that I've seen, I, I bumped into you uh, after the game uh, against Sparta on Thursday, and I, you could tell straight away, I was like, this is amazing, this is great. You know, and you were kind of, ah, but we've still got a few, obviously you're totally positive because we've won, but you're, it was like me knew I was the guy who's overreacting, you know, and I felt talking to other Rangers fans, the same thing. I seem to be more enthusiastic and I hope I'm not getting too carried away. But straight away, he stopped us conceding the first goal. He's got his going two goals in front in both games and winning both both games by two mm -hmm. goals. Um, he's got, I mean, a lot of Rangers fans, oh, you were slagging Morelis, you were slagging McGregor, they're kind of bitching each other now because the two of them have had break it. But at hand in the two of them were not good. At hand in that semi-final, the two of them are not good. And straight away, under Giovanni, McGregor is making world-class saves again. Both games uh, against Sparta, against Livingston, and crucial world-class saves. Not just, you know, showboating or whatever, or that's a bonus. It's like, we were at a stage in both those games where one more goal conceded would kill us. So, so the, we're one, coming... the, the one against Sparta, especially, that would have killed us. You know what I mean? So we're coming, we're coming through tension there that like we didn't do when we were one nothing up against Hearts at Ibrox, one nothing up against Motherwell at Ibrox this season, and not getting that second goal it cost us two points in both those each of those games. You know we didn't we didn't carry it through. So they've come up against that kind of tension, that kind of wobble again in both these games. Sparta didn't get that one goal that would have put us into Conference League. Levy didn't get that one goal that would suddenly see us chucking away a two goal lead before half time and giving Celtic a boost when they're playing at three o'clock. So. To be honest with you, we were actually on a trend um, before Gio arrived where we were due to lose four goals on Sunday. Do you know what I mean? We lost one goal to Motherwell, um, beat them 6-1. Then we lost two goals to Ross County, beat them 4-2. We're losing three goals to get out the cup um, to, to Hibs at Hamden. So, I mean, it would have been a hard sell in the post-match press conference. We said, hey, three each draw, we're doing better. You know, but, but he's, I think we need to look at how how bad things will be, we're starting to become in certain aspects of the Rangers play this season and how he's kind of instantly improved it. And I like the fact that he varies it, Colin. He's, he's I don't know if it's just me, but, you know, because the Dutch are kind of, you know, the stereotype of the Dutch is they're, they're all tactically uh, really aware, but maybe maybe it carries more belief when it's coming uh, from a, a Dutch uh, management team. But the players are, uh, they're, they're varying it within the system that Stephen Gerrard had laid down. He's not varying it too much, but then he's varied it within each, he's varied from game to game. He played a different system. It looked like 4-1-4-1 to me at times on, on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, 
after the kind of four two three one and against Sparta. And I then he's looked, varied. I thought, he's, it, I, thought, I thought it looked like four four two at one point. I thought it was four and, and it was a diamond, and then the two up top at one point. Exactly. It, it's, it's that lovely thing, but you can't really tell hundred percent. Which means the opposition can't really tell. The opposition are a bit cleverer than me watching the telly, but you, you can't really you can't really tell 100. That's a good thing, and I think he varied it again within the game. Notice this thing of bringing Patterson on now um, to kind of shore things up in the right hand side, but also to give the opposition left back suddenly a, a different problem to face all the other. If he had you, who's slow but skillful, to get Patterson, who's skillful and fast, you know, and he was linking up well with with uh, Tav a few times on Sunday as well, but. I think it, we just look more kind of elastic and malleable, if you like, in the way we're going to uh, set ourselves out, and he'll just do what needs do what needs to be done. Um, and I'm actually the thing I'm just what I'm trying to get to is I'm I'm excited about tomorrow night. I'm actually just excited just to see how we're going to set out, you know, because yeah. it's becoming really interesting. And when I get excited about Rangers, things usually start going wrong. <laughs> don't say that. Don't jinx in terms of the squad, there was a wee update yesterday at East Presser. Uh, no fresh injuries from uh, Sunday, which is always good when you're coming off that that surface because you know it's, it's it's not unusual for us to come off that and someone's got a wee pool somewhere. Uh, and Kemmer Roof, apparently he was getting assessed today and, and, and could be in the squad tomorrow. Uh, there was a wee update in Hollander as well. Uh, apparently he's back out running, you know, he's on pitch running and stuff like that. Should return to full training later on this month, which is obviously good news, especially defensively, given the way we've been playing of late. Uh, in terms of Kemar Roof, I, I mean, I mean, Hollander's uh, an easy one for me. You know, if he's in that back four, I think he improves that back four, and I think he also improves uh, Conor Goldson. If you know what I mean, I think maybe part of the issue with Conor Goldson is he's had so many different partners this season, and the, and I also think there's. There's been a breakdown in the relationship between him and Tavernier. There's, there's just not the same. The amount of times I see, especially when I sit in the governing year, the amount of times Conor Golson looks out to give it to Tavernier and then just changes his mind and comes in again. And you just kind of wonder. And then the amount of times the opposition come close to scoring, they too nip at one another quite a lot. So, I mean, I might be wrong. I might be speculating, but it, it does seem like that to me. But I do think if Alanda comes back in the team, Goldson instantly becomes a better player. You know, I think he becomes a little bit more relaxed. So that, that that's an easy one. In terms of Ruth, though, I, I think that he'll be an interesting option for Van Bronckers, I think, because, you know, it's, an, it's another person challenging for that because Ruth can play in that number nine spot. He's a harder worker than, uh, than, than Morelos. He's, he's actually, I'm not quite sure now, but the last time I checked, his goal-scoring ratio per game was actually higher than... Than Morelos, it's just getting getting him on the park, you know. It's obviously because he, he he suffers from injuries quite a lot. But as an option for Van Bronckhurst and, and what, what that would offer him in terms of formations and stuff like that, I'm really keen to see Ruth back in the team because I want to see how Van Bronckhurst is going to use him. Yes, and I think uh, you've got a, a, an equal intelligence there as well. You've got a, a super intelligent manager and management team, um, and and Kamal Ruth. I think you've got a player who knows exactly how to give them what they're looking for. I think he's a really, really smart player, as well as incredibly skillful. And you're right, he just goes under the radar sometimes. He's goal scorer, and the way he scores goals. Apparently this boy Kyogo at um, Celtic had scored the first ever chested goal seen in uh, world football this season up at Pedodri. And I, I seem to remember you know, the team Kyogo plays for conceding a chested goal to, to Kamar Roof in a match last season at Ibrox. Uh, I'll tell you this much, uh, Kamar Roof never had all the time that Kyogo had to... No. 
follow the cross. You know, it was basically hit right at him and he had to react and change the direction. He's he, he sharp as a tack, Colin. And, and the thing for me is, I think our performance on Sunday was summed up um, by Hadji's crap Rabona. Um, is had Hadji's performance as well. The thing I found most exciting on Sunday was uh, the Glenn Kamara on his own. Glenn Kamara sitting it, and it was like usually he's the safety net. You know, he's he's in there. The, the, you've got the double pivot, the the, the, the the sitting two, the holding two midfielders. But Glenn Kamara was on his own, uh, and Sunday it was good. Gave Steve Davis a rest. But it was like, I don't know if this is part of Conor Golson's problems on Sunday, maybe adjusting, apart from the fact he's playing on plastic that's got snow and tap it and ice underneath it. Um, but the ball's coming over the top. I think I think he'd been told, basically, see if you need that sideways ball, that safety, that outlet that, that, that Davis and uh, Kamara give each other, just give it to Conor Golson instead, because he comes up, he's comfortable on the ball. you know. And it, it made us suddenly, we have to go backwards or we have to go forward, but we have to be doing something. I remember being on like the hundredth pod um, last season, hundred Jersey pod um, Sunday show, and it was after the nil nil at Livingston last season. Yeah. And I, I would say, I Glenn Kamara is just doing that sideways pass, and if they're looking for eight ten million uh, offers are coming in for him, just just take one of them just now, you know. Guys, I mean, it's just he's Rolls Royce. I just that, 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 that's what I mean. But you know, my my judgment's always hundred percent wrong. But um, I thought we get the best out of him uh, on on Sunday there, and that's 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 the earth. Second best result of our last four um, at Almondville, just with this kind of go forward. It's like more like a safety catch than a safety, but take the safety catch off, just go forward, get that ball moved forward. And the two goals we scored in the first half, the movement to one side of the pitch to the other. I mean, if you look back at Morelis is involved a lot more than we realised at first in, in, in both goals. And I think Alfie, when you see him highlights format, he actually did a lot more than I realised uh, at first. But the only problem I've got is does he play? well with the uh, Kamar roof because I say Hadji on Sunday summed it up for me and that he was skillful his ball control was fantastic he was dominating um that side of the park for us but it was just the finish just couldn't get the finish and I think sometimes we're trying to we're trying to make we play so kind of intricately and magically um, in the build-up that we forget how to actually just put the thing in the back of the bloody net you know that's a slight on Livingston they were defending really well but if we get Jermaine Defoe's now back as an out-and-out striker, he's not doing his coaching. We've got Kamar Roof as well. I think we can start getting the finishing sorted. And then the only problem, the only problem we've got is a problem that a team like us, any team with decent decent players should love, is that our, our main problem is when the opposition lump the ball up the park. You know, it falls in that kind of sweet spot for them, that kind of inside forward position. And it's caused a lot of confusion for us this season, um, you know, between, between our fullbacks and our centre-halves. But that should be a problem that, we should be able to sort out no problem, you know, really, really easily. It's a problem, you should, as I say, you should actually enjoy, you know, if that's the best thing the opposition can throw at you. So if we get that sorted out and we've got our strikers back, it should be good uh, going forward in this really busy month. Uh, in terms of Hibs form, and again, this is another thing that makes us feel quite positive, and, you know, because every, I mean, Easter Road is one of those grounds you cannot, you know, you know it's like it's like Tyne Castle, Tannadice, Petodway, it's always about, it's going to be a bit tight. In terms of Hibs form at the moment, you know, they've, they've, they've won one in the last six of the league games. Uh, that was against 10 man St. Johnson. They were 1-0 down and, and, and sort of squeaked it in the last sort of 10, 15 minutes. Uh, they've only scored like four goals in those six games. You know, they're not they're not a team in form. Now, everyone will point to the, the semi-final result, but, 
we should be looking at this team and saying, you know what, they are not a team in form. They are bottom of the form league at the moment. You know, they're, they're, they're rock bottom. Livingston are higher up that form league. I think they're sitting third or fourth at the moment. And went over there and, and turned them over fairly well. So it's this kind of thing that we need to play the team and, and not, you know, the, the, the occasion, if you know what yep. I mean. Don't get into this, oh, it's Easter Road, it's Hibs at Easter Road. Aye. Just play that team and just say to yourself, this team have won one game in six and it took that team even down to 10 men for them to win that one game. This team are not a good team. Terry Cotton, I, I was glad. I was glad Hibs won. Um, on, on Saturday especially winning the way they did because it's like again it's the, it's the Aberdeen thing it's part superstition uh, kind of black superstition in my part but it's also I think I think it, it, it bears analysis these teams if they're doing what they're supposed to do for their level which is beating everybody else and then the old firm are a free hit they tend to be when they come to play us they kind of get they kind of realise you know, 20 minutes half an hour in no, we've no, we've been putting almost like we've been putting too much into the previous games, beating Livingston. I have one two nothing at Livingston, I think, this season. Um we'll see when they're not playing well, see when they're not doing well against everybody else. I feel as if because we are a free hit, it lets a team that's maybe getting under pressure see a chance to, you know, to to, to impress their fans uh, instantly. And I think when you're not being playing well, this is actually what I hope I hope happens with Rangers this season. When as a team, as a club, you've not been playing well, uh, you've been getting kind of bad results. I think when you start going on a run or when you get a, when you're having a good night or you're having a good game, um, you find all the energy that you weren't using, you know, when you were playing badly. And uh, I think that's what happens a lot of times when we're playing likes of Aberdeen or likes of Hibs. Um, if they've been on a bad run, they suddenly raise their game again. That's, that's where you get the whole myth about them raising their game against us. It's not, it's not a myth. It happens. And it's that, 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 that's their prerogative. Um, so in many ways, I was glad because when we played them at Hamden, I mean, they hadn't played in like the best part of a month, you know. Um, when we beat them at Ibrox, they were unbeaten. You know, we were the first team to beat them this season. Um, when we played them at Ibrox, first team to beat them domestically. And I think they had a good team. I think Jack Ross is positioning himself for the Celtic job. And I always knew we need to beat us. Now he needs to beat Celtic, and I'm hoping he does it. Obviously, uh, in the League Cup final, and by that time, Big Ange is is is, is <laughs> maybe his coat will be a shaky peg, you know, kind of early January or whatever. Uh, we're we're hoping it's it's us that's put him in that position. But I think Jack Ross is a is a man with a plan, and uh, I just don't want it to be us uh, that he kind of he fulfills his next you know the next kind of boost to his sense. CV because they were third last season. They're looking to be the third force They're in a bad place just now. They've got enough kind of mitigating circumstances to blame it on with our kind of COVID conspiracies and what have you. But um, I'm actually glad. That was obviously our fault. Exactly. Obviously, mate. Obviously. You know, yeah, that's, where the, that, that's where the sense of humour um, making chippy comments goes out the window. Suddenly, it's a, it's a, it's a big conspiracy. But I, I, I just I, I feel you're absolutely right. If we make it about us tomorrow night, just go out there and enjoy ourselves. Um, and, and just I'm, I'm interested to see. I think hopefully Steve Davis is maybe back and that's how we're going to kind of try and compensate for the the problem because Hibs don't won't launch it on the top of us. They they carry the ball to that problem area we've got. Um, Nisbet and Boyle were working us um, on the ground at Hamden uh, in, in that position between our fullbacks and our centre halves. So I think when we get Stephen Davis back, he's refreshed and we've got that kind of uh, safety net back and we can just uh, hit them in the break with some players we have just now up front who are hitting real lovely form again and they're, they're irresistible when they're up for it. Yeah, hopefully they are up for it and hopefully we'll get the result that we we, we want and deserve. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. 
so a big thanks to Eck for his contribution tonight. Uh, great stuff from him as always. Remember the games on tomorrow night. What, is it 40 kickoff tomorrow? 7 45, yeah. 7 45. Really nice because I need to I need to drop the car off for the mic that I work so I can have a couple of beers. Uh, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah? I mean, it's, 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 it's your prerogative. It's 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 yeah, actually it's mandatory. It's you know. the it's the Thompsons tea, you don't give us it. It's not a couple of pints you're after, it's no. a couple of cups of dust. <laughs> no, it's going to be Thompson's on the Rangers alone, unless it's a Sunday morning I have Thompson's yeah. <laughs> Any other time it's it's the it's the it's, it's more the I'm on the, the I'm on the decaf after six anyway. So decaf <laughs> like that. I'd be up to two in the morning. <laughs> Well, remember, on tomorrow, quarter to eight, uh, and we'll, we'll cover that game on, uh, we'll have a show out on Friday to, to preview the Dundee game, we'll cover the Hibs game then. Uh, but we're live tonight, guys, but remember, the pod will be available to download and stream on a variety of platforms from uh, early tomorrow, including ACAST, iTunes, YouTube, Castbox, Spotify, all your usual places. As I said, a big thanks to, to uh, these contributions. Uh, get yourself onto the Jersey Net and forums. In the meantime, between now and the next time we're on, at www.jersnet.co.uk. 